That's good. Today's uh, sermon, we're in Genesis 1-1. If this is your first time here or online with us, uh, we're in a series on Genesis called Back to the Basics. Because uh, in Genesis, we find the root of everything, uh, of all the rest of human history. Everything's going to happen. Everything's important. And so we're kind of looking at the roots of, of our faith, of, of our, even our existence. And, and we're at one of those great points today where we see God preserving humankind. And he gives us the background of how he, he does it. And so I called today's sermon... The missing link, you know, uh, and, and in case you can't see that really well, the man that is supposed to be in front of whatever is saying, stop, quit following me. Uh, and that's my little joke about the evolutionary chart there, um, that, that uh, people think that's how we came along. And so science is always looking for the missing link. Just let me let you know something. They still haven't found it, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't exist, all right? That's why. So we're calling this the, the missing link, but, but there, the link that we're going to talk about today is the link that kept the line of Jesus, the line that God wanted to survive the flood alive, and he gives us the, the background of that coming along. I, I don't know, you know, today there's a lot of people into genealogies looking, looking back for their ancestors. Um, I, I, I like that kind of stuff. I'm interested in it. I haven't done a lot of it, but uh, I know a little bit uh, about my, my family, but I'm, I'm more reminded of what uh, great preacher Vance Havner said. If you, only thing you have to brag about your ancestors, you're like a potato. The best part of you is underground. So uh, uh, you think about that. Um, so our ancestors are important, but what we do today is even more important for us because today is the day we have to fulfill God's will. And so uh, I have a kind of a long statement, but no matter our race or nationality or place of birth, here, here's what I want you to know. We are all related physically by a common ancestor and spiritually by a fallen nature. Uh, you can start that at we. We are all related physically by a common ancestor and spiritually by his fallen nature. This is just a reality of mankind. It's why Jesus had to come. So we're going to jump into it. And today uh, the scripture I marked is, is Genesis 5, 1 through 6, 8. And we will cover all those verses, but I'm not going to read all those verses because a big chunk of them is telling you how long somebody lived before they had their first child, how long they lived after they had their first child, and how old they were when they died. And then, the, and then that's repeated for like eight or nine different people. So I'm going to leave that part out. But I want to read the first two verses of Genesis 5. Would you stand up with me um, since uh, we can do this? Let's, let's read uh, at least the first two verses. Um, in fact, I'm going to read till verse 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Hold that phrase in your mind. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them. And he blessed them and named them man when they were created. And Adam <clears throat> had lived 130 years. He fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you in Jesus' name for your word. We thank you that you go beyond human uh, ability to, to know and give us the, the backstory, the right story of how we came to exist and be. And Lord, when we accept uh, this account of how we were created and where man came from and where the earth came from, it gives us meaning. It gives us purpose. For we understand that we are not an accident of chance, 
but rather we are specifically designed and created by a creator God who loves us uh, with unconditional, uh, very perfect love. And that when we fell, you provided a way to pay for our failure so that we could be redeemed and live forever with you. So, Lord, for that we are grateful. And I pray that as people listen to this today, that, uh, that you help them grasp the reality of what you did and help us to understand, Lord, that, that you have been divinely protecting us all of this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. I, I, I mentioned ancestors, and, and uh, I just kind of grew up knowing just my immediate ancestors that my, my, uh, my mother's father, his father died at age 24 after having three children. Now, you got to start early and go fast to get three children from 19 to 24, but he died of a heart attack at 24. My grandfather had six children, my mother being the fifth of those, and he died at 47 of a heart attack. When I turned 50, I said, "Woo, praise the Lord, because most of my cousins and I, we will get heart trouble in our 40s. I made it through, so I'm, I'm good. Uh, but my dad, in 1949, had a severe motorcycle accident, had a severe brain injury, and in 49, they put you in a bed in a hospital and said, good luck, hope for the best, because they didn't know much. and They can do a lot more today, but back then, and my dad survived that. And so when I look back at that, I realized that, wow, look at that. I, there was a lot of chances for me not even getting here, but, but I did. In fact, my grandfather and my grandmother were separated from Kentucky to South Carolina. But I don't know why he did it, but he joined the Marines, and he moved to Paris Island and met my grandmother there. And uh, you, no, she wasn't a Marine. She was born there and grew up there. This was the 1890s, so never mind. Uh, but but, but that's, that's where I came from, and I realized that, wow, God was at work in my, in my family history just to bring me to existence. Well, Genesis 5 is that story. Genesis 4 and 5 is really that story. And so the very first thing I want to say is, don't be in too big of a hurry. Let's, let's pause for a moment and listen to, to what I'm saying. This, these chapters, 4 and 5, reveal the interconnectedness of all mankind. Because at the conclusion today, we're going to see there's a man named Noah who was born, who survives a worldwide flood, and his descendants are our forebears. That, but this all comes through this one line that God's going to emphasize for us today. Also, these accounts demonstrate for us that, that man is a fallen creature, that, but God has continued in his promise to bring preservation of mankind through procreation and salvation through Christ and through that process. Now, now hear that. We, we, we're living in a world today where, where people may or may not ever get married and may or may not ever bear children. And we're getting in a place in our society where people want to say they're married who can't procreate at all. But procreation is the design and will of God. Don't be so weak with that. Because, because we've been weak with that, that's why we got here, okay? And, and it's in the text. I'll say more about that later. But I, I, I want to be really strong about that, 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 that God has created us to have children. And it's through that process that he brought us a savior for our sin. But that, so God kept his promise, but we, had been a, we were fallen and we needed a savior. 
And, and that is passed on to us that we are born fallen and in need of a savior. It also contributes these, these passages to an ongoing battle that still rages today between Satan and the seed of the woman. You can read in Revelation, you, you, you see kind of uh, the ending where the, the, Satan is still trying to kill people. We kill babies every day in America. Thousands a day, millions and millions of Americans have been put to death. We have, a, we have a governor who will kill them after they're born. Now, you've got to realize that reality. If you're going to exist and live as a Christian in this world, you better look at the world with a Christian point of view. And it is a satanic attack on the family, on the home, on our kids. And, and you know, we have this, this balancing between progress, uh, progress of of technology and all those things and yet the inherent dangers that come along with it. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the, the, the electronic media and all that we have is bad, but it is used for bad, but it is also can be used for good. And we have to be careful with those. I say, Man, I got y'all quiet when I said that. I think everybody got scared. Um, and, and so this text contributes to the fact that Satan wants to kill you. Jesus said, if you think I'm just talking off the top of my head, in John 10, uh, he said, I have come to give you life and give it abundantly, but Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are not high, uh, just words of metaphorical words. Satan literally wants to kill you. He literally wants to destroy you. He wants to maim you and hurt you. And God, Jesus came that we could have abundant life in, in this world and in the world to come. But it also shows an increasing and universal reality of human wickedness, which deserves God's anger. The Bible says in Ephesians, see, this isn't just Old Testament. Ephesians says the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness. God, and in fact, the cross reveals the anger of God toward unrighteousness that he would give his own son to take the full blow of my sin. The Bible says in Isaiah, please the Father, please Yahweh to bruise him, the Messiah, for my sin and my transgression. And Jesus on that cross, he who knew no sin, became sin and died there for our sin. So I want you to catch that. I want you to remember that. That is the broad background of what we want to look at here today. And so in in Genesis 5, 1 and 2, here's what I call my second point. This is important. You might want to write it down. Or at least listen very carefully, okay? I, I, I told you to remember that phrase in that first verse because listen to it again. This is the book of the generations of Adam. That's what it says in my version. Uh, I've asked different people this past week in, in meetings, hey, what Bible do you have? Read that to me. The New International Version uses uh, a different word. It uses, this is the written account, all right? Now, every time I've ever read that, I have just thought, yeah, Moses wrote this down, and Moses is letting us know this is, I wrote this down about the account. But I discovered in studying for this sermon, I'm 61, I've been looking at the Bible my whole life, I just discovered this past week, a week yeah, this past week, that the Hebrew word there is not saying, Moses is saying, I'm writing this down for you. He was saying, this has been written down, and I'm telling you what was written down. Now, that gives us a lot of pause because up to the past 200 years at least, maybe 100 years, it'd be that close, just about that time, maybe 150 years, men thought that in the days of Moses, nobody knew how to write. 
So they said it was impossible for Moses to write. They didn't think they had a written language. Then they discovered contemporary with when Moses would have lived, writings of many civilizations. Well, let me, let me just tell you something. You know the smartest man who ever lived other than Christ? His name was Adam. Because he had no sin to cloud his mind. He had no bad way of thinking. God created him brilliantly. You say, well, <laughs> prove that. Okay, he named every insect, every animal, and every plant that is on the world, in the earth. And he did that after right as he created. God just marched them by. He said, elephant, rhinoceros, giraffe. And he named them all. Now, that was just one little thing he did. So don't tell me he was dumb. He didn't have computers, but he had, he had a unlimited ability use of the mind. They tell us we only use, you know, 10%, 20%, 30%. They say geniuses might use 30% of their brain, something like that. I, I, don't go home into those numbers, but you get the illustration. Adam was not limited. He is what science fiction tries to wonder what would happen if. He was not limited. He could have written down the account of his life. We're going to go through this genealogy. I was going to hold this for a big reveal. But Noah's grandfather was alive when Adam and Seth died. You say so? That means everybody on earth could hear from people who had heard from the dude who was there when it happened. And he wrote it down. And Noah tucked that away on the ark is my assumption. The Bible doesn't say it and carried it through the flood. So the other side, it was preserved and kept till Moses got his hands on it and said, this is the written account of Noah, of, jo of Adam and Seth and the family. Now, I don't know about you, but that got me, woo, that's awesome. <laughs> that is really something. Obviously, all scripture is inspired by God. God inspired Moses to write this down, but what I'm telling you is, there was a written record. There's a, there's a little saying for people who do not believe the Bible. Let me tell you this little saying. The Bible is the only historical religious book and really just about the only book that was written by eyewitnesses in the presence of eyewitnesses who could have denied what was said. And I've always said that. And then in your mind you go, well, the first 11 chapters, God just kind of told Moses what happened before the flood. No, it was written down. And 5.1 tells us it was. This is the written account of Adam and his family. That is a gift to us. And so this text differs from other parts of, the, uh, of different texts because there was a written source for creation. Now, Adam obviously didn't know what happened before he was created. But every day he walked with God. How did I get here? What did you do? How did that go? And he could write it all down. And the creation of man is mentioned four times in the first three verses of chapter 5. And in fact, well, the word mankind does. The name Adam means mankind. And let me just let you in. And all this modern, you know, they're just stirring up mud, you know, uh, today it seems. Like everybody wants to confuse the simple, plain things that are there. And that is the word mankind means all of us. Not just men, all of us. You can be a woman and be a chairman. God is not a she. He's revealed himself as father. And it is impossible for a she to be a father. Now, I say that, but I want, I want you to get the reality of what I'm saying. That's how God revealed himself. 
But God created women in his image. You are image bearers. We are co-image bearers of, the, of who God is. Male and female. The attributes of women exist within God. He reveals to himself to us as father. So that we can understand what that's supposed to mean. And guess what we have the most trouble with in society. Father. And fatherhood. Even last week I called the sermon My Three Sons. Even back then in the 50s. Those great 50s. Was a single dad. With three boys. And an uncle. Andy Griffith. An aunt without a mom for his son, Opie. Those great old, we, man, we would love if TV was only that bad. Right? There's been an attack on us for, for a long time. You say, well, I, 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 you know, I always think y'all are going like, yeah, yeah, right. Listen, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day. You just spend less on the presents. <laughs> oh, so I was right. We glorify moms and make fun of dads. When God said the father is to be the spiritual head of his home, to be shepherding his family, to be leading them and teaching them. And when we abdicate that position, chaos breaks loose. And that's what we saw in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, leading up to today when we are very confused Four times God says, this is the book of the generations of mankind, the name Adam. When God created mankind, he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. He created them. There are no other choices. It's sad, and I don't mean to sound ugly, but a lot of people that don't want to be female or don't want to be male want to be something else, and there ain't a whole lot of choices. And so I just don't get it. I don't understand. There, there's not a third thing you can be. Now, they, they claim you can do that, but that's a construct of a twisted and sick and depraved and ill mind that has no basis in reality. You are male or you are female, and it's easy to know which one you are. I'll stop before I get in trouble with my wife. I'm just kidding about that part. <laughs> but I am going to stop so it won't be ugly. He named them mankind when they were created. And Adam, the individual, lived 130 years. But notice, he fathered a son in his likeness. And after his image, and he named him Seth. Seth was born in the likeness and image of Adam, who was made in the likeness and image of God. And then Seth had a son, and he had a son, and he had a son, and he had a son, until Randolph Melrose McCarter had a son, July 21st, 1959. And I was born in the likeness of my father, who was made in the likeness of God, and inherited the sin nature that Adam passed on to my dad. He gave it to me. That's what the Bible wants you to get clear in your mind. And when you get that clear, you go... Oh, it's not complicated. God made me to be a man in need of a Savior. And when I express faith in him and I depend on him, he comes in, he saves me, he makes me brand new. And I'm able to do what God wanted me to do. Notice that in the likeness of God, male and female, he blessed them. God blesses us when we follow his order of creation. Well, let me jump down into, into these genealogies because... I can no longer see the clock up there and the time will get away from me. I can't see it because there's a glare off a light off a thing. I don't know. We'll fix that one day. 
I want you to see this image of God from Adam to Noah. Remember, we've, we've already learned that, that, that Cain was first born, and then we had Abel, and then Cain killed his brother Abel, but Cain had some sons and daughters and children who all died in the flood. All of them died in the flood. The line of secession comes through the third boy when Adam was 130, named Seth. And so this, this image, you got to see, there's two similarities as we look at this genealogy. And I'm not going to go in detail on each one. But, but there are two things that, that says about each one, and it's this. That they had other sons and daughters. You see, it mentions about Adam that he had Seth. That's it. We know he had Cain and Abel. One of them is dead already because Cain killed him. But Cain's still alive out there, but it doesn't even mention Cain. He talked about Cain. Okay, you know about that. He died. Forget it. But Seth is the one the line comes through. After Seth, they kept having sons and daughters for a long time. But the important thing is this is called a linear genealogy. If you ever do look into your genealogy, here's what you find. You know, I know my granddad was John Stewart. I know that. He married Julia Agnes Eaton, who had a mom and dad who, oh yeah, Mr. Eaton, who had a wife. The family just goes this wide that fast, right? So when we read this, we think, oh, he's, you know, this boy, then that boy, then that. But at the same time, man, it is shooting out. Because they're living six, seven, eight, nine hundred years. Healthy. By the way, I, I, I didn't want to take much time to do this. And I don't have a lot of time. But let me just say it as quickly as I can. At this time, it's before the flood. And, there, and, and there's a big controversy. I'm coming to a second big controversy in just a second. There's this big controversy of how they live so long. And so people try to figure that out by a bunch of weird ways. Like, well, maybe they timed it differently. No. The earth's been spinning at this rate since creation. 24 hours, one time around, 365 and a quarter days around the sun every year. They lived literally that long. Why? Because it didn't rain. Well, what do you mean because it didn't rain? What's that got to do with it? Well, the reason it didn't rain is we were living in a greenhouse. The, the Bible said, Genesis 1, if you were with me in Genesis 1 and 2, he lifted the firmament from the firmament. He lifted, and that's the old King James, he lifted the water off the face of the earth and the water, we had a water case around this planet. That does at least two things for us. Number one, it gives us a consistent temperature pole to pole. Did y'all know they just dug up a fossil in Antarctica. <laughs> Consistent hot temperature worldwide. No poles, no difference in temperature. They have found uh, mastodons frozen in the ice in Siberia with vegetation in their mouth. When I talk about the flood, I'll explain how the fossil record got here. So we have less solar radi radiation but it's nice and warm. Secondly, you've got increased atmospheric pressure. And if you have a severe, um, uh, sometimes an illness, but especially an infection, you can go and be put, and I hope I say it right, it's right in my head, but it doesn't come out in my mouth right, hyperbolic chamber. Oh, good. My, my, friend, my medical friends go, yep, that's it. And they increase the pressure on your body, and it pushes out the disease. Men didn't get sick. 
They were stronger. They were closer to creation. They had increased atmospheric pressure. They had less solar radiation. After the flood, it goes from 900 years to 120, 150, down to 100, down to 80. It just shortens fast because that's what's killing us. And we live up here at a higher elevation, so we're dying faster than those on the coast. Just telling you. All right. So, he had other, so we see these similarities. There are other sons and daughters, and here's the other similarity. They all died. Even if they lived 969 years, like Methuselah, he still died. Because death came because of sin on man. So there's this new beginning. And so in chapter 5, I already read the first few verses about Adam. Adam has Seth, and he lived 800 years after that. So he lived 930 years. And then Seth. Seth is, it has inherited the image of God. Listen, it says that um, when Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. But up there it says, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness and after his image and named him Seth. From his father, he inherited the image of God. And then Seth has a, a boy. So Seth inherited this image of God and the blessing. And notice this is the one place where it doesn't say it was created. He was fathered. There's only four ways a, a child can be created, at least until some modern technology. You can have a, a, a child can be born to a father without a mother. He can be born to a mother who had no father. He can have a mother or father, or he can have neither mother or father. Adam had neither mother or father. Eve had a father taken out of Adam, but no mother. Adam, I said, had neither, and Jesus had no earthly father, but just a mother. Everybody else who's ever lived came from a mother and a father. Okay? And this is the beginning. Adam didn't create, God didn't create, Adam fathered a son named Seth. Just catch on to that. The name um, uh, Seth is, is the replacement, we already talked about that, of Abel who died. And then he has a son named Enosh, and Enosh just means man. I, I, I don't know, they weren't very creative with the names it seems, but, but it, there is a, there's a point here. Back in chapter 4, it says Seth had a son named Enosh. And it says, and in his days, men became, began to call on the name of God. And so we see this recreation. Adam has a boy named Seth who replaces a dead man. And he has a son he calls man who calls on God. Are you following that? There, if you compare this to the creation story, it's ABCCBA. It's sort of not, I don't know if that's enough letters, but it follows this way. And then to emphasize it, it shows it in reverse in chapter 5 of what ha is happening. This is, the Bible is using language without going, listen, I'm pointing out God's keeping it going. He's trying to say, look, it's working like God said. There's a man born and that man's family begins to call on God. And then you have Kenan and Mahalalel and Jared. And then Jared had a boy named Enoch. I tell you, I'm not going to talk about all of them. They, they are all important because they're in direct line. And by the way, when the time you get to the flood is somewhere between 1900 and 2200 years. About 2000 years pass. Because these guys' lives overlap. It's not like 
Adam lived 900 years and then Seth lived 900 years or 800 years. It's that they're having these and, and they keep overlapping and so you have to figure that in. But Enoch comes along and Enoch walks with God and that's just uh, way down in there. That's verse uh, 18. Uh, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And when Enoch had lived 65 years, man, he had children young, didn't he? He fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years, had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. How many days in a year? It's kind of, yeah, kind of interesting there. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now, I just want to pause there. That word walk with God is that, that, that sense of intimacy with God. It's not like he just knew God existed. He knew God. There's an intimacy as he walks with God. And then it says, and he was not for God took him. That taking away, it means like that water was on that table, but I took it away. That's literally what it means, and I wanted to drink. And so, say, okay, yeah, God took him, but God could take you by death. You know, we use the word God took him when it's a car wreck or anything. You know, what does it mean that God took him? He could have died. He could have, but Hebrews 11:5 says that he was taken into heaven alive. The Bible clarifies this in the New Testament, that that is exactly what happened. That, but here's the point of all that. That man was born to live, not to die. And the way we live is you walk in intimacy with God, the creator. Man, Pastor Andy had me all excited today singing those songs. We're talking about the great I am and Jehovah. Now, he also messed me up because he changed the timing and stuff on it. And I didn't see it coming. So I embarrassed myself at least twice. Just ah, yelling. Everybody else got quiet. I was like, whoops, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I know y'all never done anything like that, do you? I do it. I got so excited. I'm just singing. Hallelujah. I'm the only one doing it going, oops, sorry. That's all right. But listen, we live life by walking with God. And when you have that intimacy, see, in the next service, we're going to baptize someone. And, and that is a picture that we have died with Christ and have risen with Christ. And I cannot die. I can only change address. I will leave the address of this body and move into my place in heaven. You can't kill me. So in the face of death, Christians go, cool. I'm, I'm out of here. Thank God. I, this is going to be awesome. And Enoch got to do that without dying. As we believe when, God, when Jesus comes back and calls his own out before he sets up his kingdom, that we'll all not die, but be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Enoch, that's what happened to him. Well, then he has a boy named Methuselah, and Methuselah is a great hunter, and he lived 969 years, just the longest one to live. He had the longest liver of anyone. And then Lamech, the father of Noah, and he is the only guy that explains why he named his son what he named him. Look with me down in verse, uh, let's go 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, Lamech probably, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work 
and from the painful toil of our hands. And Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years, had other sons and daughters. He lived 777 years and he died. His, Noah's name means rest and Lamech adds comfort, rest and comfort. And then God blesses his son Noah and saves the Sethite line through the flood. So they got comfort and they got rest from uh, worrying about God's curse because God is saying, I'm going to save mankind. And he shows it by saving Noah. And then Noah will get into more in chapter 11. But let me hasten on to chapter uh, 6 here. I've only got a minute. This is the most controversial text in the Bible, the most questioned text, because it says when the sons of God saw that the, the, the daughters of man were desirable, they, got, they married them, and they had children. And somewhere in there, the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days will be 120 years. Now, it isn't 120 years yet. It's coming. But we see this ongoing depravity of man. Man gets worse and worse and worse. And mankind left to himself apart from God will always get worse. This utopia, this, this idea that, that if we just sing about love and peace and harmony, we'll be okay. The, the weird thing is the people that say that the most believe in a system that leads to slavery and poverty. And we have to understand that, that, that it is only in Christ we have life and peace and love and hope. And so the Bible says here too that there was a time of the giants here. And the Nephilim were on earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. These are the mighty men of old, the men of renown. So everybody wonders, what are the sons of God? They're men. It's just a different way of saying it. Didn't you hear me say Adam was created in the image and likeness of God and he blessed them? You said, well, where'd the giants come from? From those men. They just, I, I don't know why they were that big. They were just that big. Just what it was. Again, don't complicate what's simple. Men and women married and whatever genetically happened, you got some giants walking around. They were called the Nephilim. Guess what Goliath was? A Nephilim. You say, wait a minute, it went through the flood. Yeah, it's in the genetics. It's in the line. And they had them later. But it's kind of hard to live in this atmosphere, in this world, when you're that big. The reasons the dinosaurs died out is the loss of consistent temperature, and they were too big to handle the change in the atmosphere. They had big bones and all that to handle the heavier atmosphere. But when that went away, so did they. But I just want you to see verses 5 to 7, this descent into wickedness. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Listen to that. That every intention of the thoughts of his heart and, uh, was only evil continually. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We, we, who can know it? It says there's none that seeks after God, not even one. It takes the grace of God to want God. And man left to himself descends into chaos. And so the Lord said in verse 7, So I will blot out man whom I've created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, birds of the heaven, for I'm sorry I've made them. And so man descends into wickedness. And God's judgment is pronounced. And then we get a simple verse. But Noah, 
found grace and favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the glorious bud of the Bible. Because it sounds like God's going to kill everybody. But Noah. Why but Noah? Because God's got to keep this line alive so Jesus can be born and we can be saved. Not because Noah was a good guy, but because Jesus had to be born. Do you know why God preserved your line so you could be here? I tell you a little bit about my family, that you know, death at early ages and all that stuff. Do you know why I'm here? So that I can serve God and glorify him and I can have Jesus as my Savior. That's why God made you. That's why you exist. That you would, in faith, reach out to Christ who loved you enough to die on a cross for you. And having him come into your life, he will change your life. And then you can glorify God through your life by living for him for the rest of your life. That's what Genesis 5 and 6 are all about. That God preserved that. And guess what? In that line, some of them are your great-grandfathers. We just don't know who they are. But we go all the way back to Adam, through Seth, through Noah. We go all the way back. All of mankind. The person that you are prejudiced against, God created, and he is a son of Adam. How did we get to looking so different? I don't know. Nobody knows. But we did. But it didn't change anything. We go all of us, no matter our race, no matter where we were born, we have that strand of DNA that says you, hey, we all had a common ancestor. You got to understand that. Well, what can you do today? We got to wrap up. Listen, you don't get to choose if you're a man or a woman. You are what God made you to be. Rejoice in it. I just want you, if, you, if you're struggling with that, don't struggle. There are reasons you struggle. There are several reasons, and, and I can guess some of them. But listen, God made you decide you're going to be the best man you can be or the best woman you can be according to how you were born. Secondly, everybody needs a Savior. I need a Savior every day. In fact, riding up this morning, I heard this preacher, and he was quoting the Bible, and he, and he misquoted it because I, I knew the verse, and it caught my attention. It wasn't a bad misquote. He just said, by whom, talking about Jesus, we are saved. But the Bible says, by whom we are being saved. See, I was saved when I opened my life to Christ. I am being saved right now, and I will be saved when he returns. He isn't done with me. He doesn't save us and let go. He is always saving us. Because every morning I wake up, I need a Savior. Every morning I wake up, I need the grace of God. Every morning I get up, I need his strength to do what he's called me to do. And the Bible says in Hebrews, be careful you don't fall short of the grace of God. That we need to access that daily. So if you are saved, you know you're going to heaven, you still need that Savior every day. And if you've never come and bowed the knee before the Lord Jesus Christ, then today's the day you need to do that. So you can begin that journey where every day he's changing you more and more into the image of Christ. And thirdly, just put another point up, saying the same thing three different ways. We're, we're not righteous in ourselves, nor will man improve on his own. You cannot be righteous by yourself. Don't expect that. Don't expect other people to act like you would act. <laughs> or you wouldn't act. They will do just like you would do, evil, if they can. We need a Savior, and we need to access that every day. 
And we need to understand that there's nothing we can do to help that guy improve. All we can do is give him Jesus who does that work in his life. You following me? Somebody in your life that just really is getting under your skin, they need to know Jesus. That's it. And don't be so critical because you ain't so easy to get along with either. Right? That's all of us. We got to take a step back and go, thank you for the grace of God and be wanting to share that grace with others. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, today there, there might be some people sitting here or listening online somewhere that need to make a decision. Lord, uh, people today are lied to and said they can choose their gender. Gender is a construct of the mind. It is not a reality. They are born male or female, and that is who they are. And when they try to distort that, there's no really much room to operate. So they don't know where to go, and they get confused. And that's why so many, the suicide rate's so much higher among those who are confused that way. So, Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would deliver us from this sin that wants to drag us down and this enemy, Satan, who wants to kill us and destroy us. Lord, I pray for those who, that, that's not their problem, but, Lord, they got a problem. They, they don't know you, and they, they, they know that their life is not where it needs to be, but, Lord, you want to change their life. Lord, I can't change it. No preacher can save it. No mom or dad can change it. No brother, sister, friend can change it. Only Jesus can change it. And so, Lord, I pray now that they would cry out to you in their need, their desperation, and that today they would be saved. I hope that if you're listening online or even in this room right now, you would pray to Jesus and just say, Lord, I know I need you. Come in, change me. Make me different. Make me brand new. Cleanse me of my sins. Forgive me. I want to be your, yours forever. And Jesus will answer that prayer if you'll pray it.